This is the UFC 218 post-fight show or post-fight special. Welcome, everyone, to my YouTube channel. My name is Luke Thomas. As I mentioned, you know what you're watching. We have just witnessed UFC 218, and I'm here to break it all down. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. A couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, we'll go for about an hour or so, give or take. If you have some questions, you can reach me on Twitter, News. Send me a tweet. The link to my Twitter is in the description box below, um, and I'll check that out afterwards. If you don't want spoilers, now is your chance to get off. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers are going to be incoming. So if you're sticking around now, it's because you don't mind. Also, got to thank our title sponsor here, uh, Beta Academy. It's well, I haven't trained there because I've been lifting weights, but uh, it's where I normally train. Go to Beta Academy. There's, inf again, uh, information for them in the description box below. If you're ever in Washington, D.C., you want to train Muay Thai, you want to do jiu-jitsu, gi or no gi, you want to do strength and conditioning, it's got it all. Beta Academy at the corner of 14th Street Northwest and Florida Avenue Northwest. Right there is actually a really nice little uh, place called the Streets Cafe across. You can get some awesome fruit when you're done training. It's amazing. But on top of that, just go to Beta Academy at the corner of 14th and Florida Northwest in Washington, D.C. If you're ever in San check out them below in the description box okay let's do this give this video a like subscribe to my channel now because we have to talk about ufc 218 it is now in the books it is officially over so let's get to what we saw in the main event and by the way this course took place at the little caesars arena in detroit michigan you know all of that max holloway defends his title uh defeating jose aldo via tko punches at four 51 of the third round just for um shits and giggles let me see exactly what the stoppage time was at ufc 212 when they fought roughly six months ago that was also the third round of course that time 413 took them a little bit longer this time but about only about 30 plus seconds more um to get that done max holloway is one of the elite fighters not really mixed martial arts, which is an obvious thing to say, but I mean this. You, you want to talk about a guy who is leading the – he is part of that vanguard of guys who are innovators, who are technicians, who are smart, capable. They have a clear sense about what conditions have to be established in order for me to win. Right? What are the, what are the things that I have to do in order to maximize my chance at victory? What are the things – we have to do to him, uh, to my opponent, to make those things possible. And he just goes and he does them. Now, he doesn't exactly step on the gas, right? He's not Justin Gaethje uh, or even Eddie Alvarez, I suppose. But but nevertheless, you know that you have to get in, in Aldo's face. You know that if he cuts an angle on you, you should switch so you can meet him as he does that. Now, he did that the first fight back in Aldo up. When Aldo tried to cut a corner, he would switch stances on him and then catch him at the end of it he wasn't quite able to do that this time i thought aldo was a lot more patient i thought aldo was a lot more selective probably for two reasons one that weight cut yesterday absolutely killed him you know here's the thing about fighting max holloway and this is the same thing you saw the first time when they fought a ufc 212 you can look good in the first and second round and that's not nothing right winning 10 9 10 9 or whatever the case may be that matters insofar as you're try you know you win one more of those as long as you don't get stopped or have a terrible round in rounds four and five um you know you can win the fight but it's not it just doesn't work that way with him you, you, whatever max holloway is doing in round one he looks identical if not better quite frankly in rounds five very few guys have a performance arc like this most have a performance arc kind of like that and that's not even really i mean that's quite understandable right guys get tired get beat up they're not going to be the same in round three as they are in round one Max Holloway has a performance arc like this. I don't think we talk enough about guys who have that kind of shape to that to their ability to compete. It's it's frankly insane, uh, and he's got it, and that is a steep jump too. So, it's the same parable that I told the first time for UFC 212. Number one, when you have rematches, usually the guy that wins the second one is the one who's going to win the third one. Um, you know, the guy wins the first two almost identically. Not much to say about there being a third one, but but I think here's what I mean. If there's a fight and then there's a really quick rematch, 
generally speaking, it, the person who lost, particularly if they got stopped in the first one, now if it's very, very competitive in the first one, that kind of changes it. But if you got viciously stopped in the first one, which is what happened to Jose Aldo, you need time to pass before you, number one, meritocratically can put together a post-loss resume to merit that title shot. But more importantly, you need time to really add skills. And you saw he came out, it's, it sounded like banda music. Um, I could be wrong about that. It may have been some sort of Brazilian version of Banda. I don't know. But, you know, I know he's been doing a lot of boxing training in Southern California. And I think you saw some of that today. He, you know, Jose Aldo has really good slips. He always has. But he was really selective about the leg kicks. He didn't really overly sort of go to these uh, memorized and rehearsed Muay Thai, com Muay Thai combinations. He was really much very reliant upon his hands. Um, which I thought was the right kind of adjustment, but man, it doesn't matter. But you're the frog, and you go in the pot. And when you're put in the pot, you look around, and you say the water is not really boiling, even though it's been turned on, but you don't feel the heat yet. But by the time you do, by the time it's boiling, it's just too late to get out of the pot. But here's my point. You were always in the pot. That was the way it went at UFC 212. That is exactly the way it went here. You can look at his first and second rounds against Holloway. I thought he lost the first round. Aldo did, barely. But I thought he won the second round. I have no problem saying that. I thought he did the better damage. Um, it, it just it just didn't matter. You're not going to be the same guy when you go when he goes like this. You go like that. Um, and more to the point, just he. It's not merely that we're mapping some kind of trajectory. He forces the slope decline. Right. Again, what conditions does he need to establish? He asks himself, what conditions do I need to establish in order to maximize my chances of victory? I need to get in this fool's face. He was right. I mean, just consider what he was doing. He doesn't ever try to take Jose Aldo down. He beats him at his own game standing. Those two guys fought basically six rounds. And you can say Jose Aldo won the majority of them, I guess if you want to, or at least half of them. But it doesn't matter because Holloway's got two rounds where he smoked him uh, and put him away with I believe two different referees, right? So this is, this is, um, I just don't think we have enough appreciation for what exactly Max Holloway is able to do at age 25 or 26 here very soon. And I don't think we have enough appreciation for how he is able to do it. He has such a well-rounded skill set that when that charge is put to him again, what conditions do I need to establish to win? He can just go do it. Right. He can just go do it. I guarantee if there was a game plan, now he probably wouldn't build around it that way. But if there was some game plan where he knew he needed to wrestle to win, I bet he would do it. Um, and maybe he would fail doing it. I don't know exactly how his wrestling would work offensively in that sense. But you get the idea. This guy who can just sort of pressure, 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 pressure um, through an acknowledgement of what is the straightest line between between points A and B. It's it's absolutely marvelous. There wasn't a ton of stance switching. From Max Holloway, there were again, as I mentioned, as with Aldo tried to cut a corner, he would try to meet him to varied effect. Um, really, for me, it was the jab, and it was the jab from both stances. The jab just kind of always sticking in his face. It was backing Aldo up. It was getting him tired. It was a great way for Max to manage distance. You heard Joe Rogan talking about Max, you know, just having a really good sense of how to just get out of the way as punches pass. And look, Aldo landed some nice shots, of course, too, but. He missed a lot, and he doesn't miss them by like super wide margins because Max always wants to be. I want to, I want to take away enough, or rather, I want to create enough space such that you miss, but I don't want to create enough space such that I have to have these major resets every time you do. I want to be able to be in distance that I can, you know, have this steady encroachment, which is what he was able to do. I mean, go look at that fight at the end of, or you know, when they were still standing in towards the end of round three. You had Jose Aldo a foot or so from the fence, flat-footed. And you had uh, Aldo, excuse me, you had Holloway opposite, or, you know, they're both, they're both right-handed or something for, for that moment. And you had their feet within contact of each other. You know, they were, that's how close they were. Uh, both of their lead feet were, you know, they, they weren't, if there was a line in between them, both would have been crossed over that. I mean, that is, sh that is shocking. That is shocking to be able to do something like that. Uh it's just a complete command of the fundamentals. It's a complete or near complete anyway, command of uh, understanding what he's good at, understanding what the task at hand is, and understand and just a total commitment to the process. Um, you know, it almost feels militaristic to me.
right? Like, you know, what is the mission objective? What are our assets? Using these assets, given the challenges, how do we meet mission objective, right? We do one, two, three, four, five, six. We establish these conditions and then we just charge forward, not with reckless abandon, but with athletic courage, poise, and confidence. And that's what he does. He was open hand slapping Jose Aldo, I believe, up even early in the first round. Yeah, he looked to me like Aldo looked calmer to me. And again, I did think he had made some adjustments that are worthy of acknowledgement. But it also seemed to me that Holloway kind of felt like, I got this guy's number. Now, I don't know exactly when I'm going to be able to pull his card, but I basically know what I need to do to win. And he went in there and did it and took a nice uppercut. From Jose Aldo took a couple of other nice shots, you know, some good some good body work. I thought from Jose Aldo, some good shots to deliver, some good knees up the middle as he closed distance. You know, Aldo had his moments, but um, as I mentioned before, Max Holloway just total dexterity positionally, total dexterity from stance, total dexterity, total awareness again of of mission challenge, and um, an absolute confidence in his skills to do it. If you know you can make reads and you know you can make adjustments, and you know you have good distance management, and you know if you need to, you can take a shot, and you know what's going to happen is that you know you're going to be able to land your jab and just find a way to accumulate wisdom behind it. Um, why wouldn't you open up and hand slap Jose Aldo in the first round? I just believe that if you want to fight in mixed martial arts, you really, and you want to rematch, you know, you got. I guess you got to take them when they come, you know, and I know originally that was supposed to be Frankie Edgar, but I just fundamentally feel like uh, it, it, they were just too close together. You know, UFC 212. What can you? What what kind of skills at 31 years of old can you? 31 years of age, excuse me. Can you realistically add to your arsenal to be able to beat a guy like Max Holloway, who is going to have dramatic? It's not that Max Holloway has this one overarching power, other than to the way the best way to describe Max Holloway. I think. I hope. Is that he, you know? He does does he have Nganu punching power, which we'll get to in just a m minute? No. Does he have um, you know some sort of super slick jujitsu? No, no, not really. But he's got um, he's got a wide breadth of skills, and in that wide breadth of skills, none of them are exactly on their own lethal, but the command of the basics all throughout is uh, ironclad. And when you do that, it's like it's almost like Demetrius Johnson. Like, Demetrius Johnson's fights look a lot different fight to fight than Max Holloway's. Max's have a certain kind of complexion to them. But it's the same kind of phenomenon that if you want to take this away, we'll just go here. And if you want to take that away, we'll just go here. And ultimately, I'm going to find a way to impose the way I like to fight on you through volume, by not taking a ton of damage, by being more clever than you. Uh, and uh, understanding exactly what it is that I need to do to put myself in a position to win. It is, um, he, uh, and, and to be 25 years old and to be that advanced of a fighter, I mean, let me just explain something to you. Uh, Paul Felder and I were talking about this, and of course he knows a lot better than I do, but it's it's a real thing. Just to be able to slip, and, and by the way, I thought Jose Aldo had some great head movement in this fight. But just to be able to slip, right? Just to be able to slip like that takes years to get good at. Just to be able to slip. And and Aldo is not quite, or I should say, Holloway is not as quite as good as Aldo is at slipping. But he's got a he's got this framework of all these other fundamentals that are already at age 25, 26, already really, really sharp. I mean, just think of you have that kind of foundation, what you can build upon that, provided you still put in the work, provided you don't have some kind of terrible or, God forbid, catastrophic injury, provided that you can stay motivated and provided that you have the kind of wherewithal to really pursue those aims. Just just think of what he can do. Uh, it's, it's, you know, maybe it doesn't take my breath away exactly, at least not yet, but it is... Um, it is marvelous to witness. I'll put it that way. It is absolutely, totally marvelous to witness, and we are all the better for it. He now beats Aldo twice. Where Aldo goes from here, I don't really know, other than it's got to be lightweight if he wants to keep competing. I suppose you can keep competing at featherweight, but number one, that weight cut, man, he had his hand on his or his head on his hands on the scales on uh, Friday. Um, you're not going to get a shot at the champ, and if you do, we all know how it's going to go at this point. So there's no real future there 
at lightweight, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see Aldo not as depleted, to see Aldo not have to cut that kind of weight, to see Aldo in fun, exciting matchups where somebody could test his takedown defense because they may have a size advantage. I think that would be kind of fun, but it really just depends on what he wants to do. As for Max Holloway, I didn't think he looked awesome at the weigh-ins either, but as you can tell, it doesn't seem to have the same kind of effect on him um, as you might imagine just by looking at him on the Friday before. I don't know who exactly is going to get the next title shot. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be Frankie, but we'll see how things play out. But you got to watch out for that kid, man. You got to watch out for that kid. He is going. He's already something special. I mean, look at the com look at the the company he was keeping in terms of consecutive wins. You know, he's up there with Demetrius and John Jones and Silva's and St. Pierre's. You see that graphic they put on the screen at the end there? As you know, th this is already the kinds of things he he's doing, and he does it with this total command of like when when coaches say you got to master the basics they're talking about max holloway right does he wow you with his spinning back kick it's nice does he wow you with his jab it's very very good but individually he doesn't have any kind of one thing where you're like ah oh. but it's everything is so tight so precise so calculated so smooth so direct so deliberate and yet so effortless and when you can be deliberate and effortless at the same time Wow, look out. They're going to have a real problem. That guy is a problem at 145, man. That guy is a problem. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be there because, as I mentioned before on Friday, his cut seemed like it got to him too. But if he can keep performing like this, who's going to beat that guy? Hard to hurt, hard to hit, and he does not have the same problems as you. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck because you're going to need it. Interestingly, um, I had Mark Henry on my radio show on Friday. And we asked him about this contest. And I was like, what are you expecting? He was like, well, you know, you know, look what happened to Jose after he fought Connor. Yes, he gets knocked out by Connor, but then he comes back and he fights Frankie. He didn't fight Frankie like balls out, going out there, going crazy. He kind of was a little bit more reserved and thoughtful. And he went five rounds and he did it just fine. And that's true. But Frankie was never able to put the same kind of intense pressure through a, a volume attack be corralling position he just couldn't get in the face of jose aldo if you recall and you go back to that fight and, you, and what you look at he would use the jab specifically the double jab to try and get right so he could create a lane for his right hand and aldo saw it coming almost every time and he tried to mix in takedowns with it aldo read it completely have you noticed he couldn't read max holloway um, at times, at different intervals, he could read them, but he couldn't ever really get a beat on what he wanted to do because he could just throw the jab. He cut an angle. Did you notice there were times where he would circle Aldo and give his own back to the fence? But that was only like the first or second round. He basically stopped doing that by the middle second, totally in the third. He didn't do it anymore. I think he was just showing a lot of different angles, a lot of different looks, just showing Aldo, I can strike with you wherever we dance here. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, Edgar couldn't really do that. He couldn't find Edgar had to go back to the same thing. Oh, this didn't work. Let me try it again. That didn't work. Let me try it again. That didn't work. Let me just see if I can get this through attrition. And Max Holloway just gets there through just through arithmetic. You know, pretty pretty amazing what that guy was able to do. Unbelievable. Um worth asking if Aldo is still the greatest featherweight of all time, even though he lost to Max Holloway twice. I would still say that Aldo's featherweight resume is better, but I would say that Max Holloway is on his heels. Here's what you can say about Jose Aldo, no matter what. Jose Aldo was truly the first great featherweight. I think you can say that. And you can say truly one of the first great lighter weight fighters. Um, it's just that his time has passed. He's only 31, but his time has passed. But Jose Aldo definitely is either still the best featherweight of all time, even though he lost to Max Holloway, or at a bare minimum, uh, the first really, truly very, 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 very good one. Very, very good one. Um, and we're lucky to have watched him compete. It's just a shame, man. It's a shame that so many people got to know Jose Aldo through the Conor McGregor series. And I'm not mad at Conor McGregor for how he won, man. He starched him in 13 seconds. God bless him. That is an incredible, incredible way to settle a rivalry. I mean, how could you be mad at the guy, right? Fair and square, he stuck him. But at the same time, you just sort of say to yourself, God damn, I wish those guys had seen the Jose Aldo who, you know, 
when Mike Brown was literally lifting Leonard Garcia off of his feet with temple shots, when he was running over Uriah Faber, you know, Mike Brown was the man in the WEC. And Jose Aldo just trucked him like it was nothing, you know. But Kenyon Nogueira's got a ridiculous guillotine. So what? Doesn't mean shit to Jose Aldo. Here comes Cub Swanson. Watch Jose Aldo double knee this fool six seconds in. You know, it was that kind of a thing. You just couldn't believe this guy. And then, you know, look, he did pull out of a couple of fights and he never learned English and he was kind of tone deaf after close fights. Yeah, it wasn't close at all. You know, look, some of that he brought on himself. But in a moment where we're really celebrating Max Holloway, I just want to make sure we also don't lose sight of just how great Jose Aldo has been for um, the lighter weight fighters, how great he's been in his own career. And, you know, I don't know exactly what happens next. Probably nothing awesome, but, uh, you know, his time came and went, and there's just a new sheriff in town. And if there was any doubt about it before, there can be no doubt about it now. He's just Max Holloway, just too good. He's just too good. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, let's talk about that co-main event, shall we? Okay, Francis Ngannou defeats Alistair Overeem via KO punch at 142 of the first round. I'm going to say something here, and I'm not doing this for any kind of exaggeration. I'm not saying this to get clicks. I'm really not. You know, you're already however many minutes into this thing. I, I didn't put any headline about this. It's not clickbait. I'm just telling you how I feel. And yes, it's the night of. Maybe tomorrow I'll say, well, I don't know how I feel about that. But right now, I cannot think of a harder puncher I have ever seen ever in mixed martial arts than Francis, Death Touch, and Gnu. Um, what a terrifying force of nature. He is, he is a hurricane. Like when a hurricane comes, I know rednecks in Florida shoot at it, but short of that, there's really nothing you can do. You just batten down the hatches and hope you make it till dawn. That is that is what Francis Francis and Gnu is when he shows up and he slings the dogs. It is it is curtains for you heavyweights. It is curtains for you. It I mean we joke in MMA or not joke you know we say this because we know it to be true sort of in a general abstract way. Hey, all it takes is one. The gloves are small. Take the right hit. You know, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor style. It goes down right or Jose Aldo, whatever. Uh, and that's true, but, you know, a lot of times it takes a lot more than that. In fact, the overwhelming majority of time it takes a lot more than that. It doesn't take any more than that with Francis Ngannou. He just literally needs just one. Every time he just needs one. He might lay one on you and then a couple more just to convince the referee that your semi-lifeless corpse somehow has just enough of a nervous system, you know, um, to make your toes curl and your fingers wiggle. But that's really about it. Uh, he has he has the kind of power where you say to yourself, if it got any worse than this, could we really sanction this kind of violence? You know, when, 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 look, the, the part of the reason you can allow MMA is because, yes, everything is very, very bad for you, but, you know, if you regulate it enough and you put enough rules in it, basically you can have a career in this and, and yes, there's damage afterwards, but it's it, it's it's a sanctionable state activity. But if everything was like MVP hitting Cyborg Evangelista Santos, where your skull's getting cracked, you couldn't do that because every, you know if everyone had like eggshell skulls, this would be a too dangerous an activity. Francis Ngannou is bordering on that territory. He is bordering on the territory where if his power was just any more than it is, I honestly feel like we would have serious serious problems. I think he would do the kind of damage. To, I mean, you need to have a referee in his fights that is ready to jump in there and jump on the grenade if they have to. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't allow him to have a referee who's inexperienced. That would be. You'd be risk. I'm not even exaggerating. You'd be risking the life of his opponent. It, I've never. I've never seen a force of nature like this. I've seen Shane Carwin took Christian Wellish's mouthpiece to the other side of the octagon with a vicious cross. I'm not saying Ngannou is a dramatically harder hitter than Shane Carwin, but I'm pretty confident in saying I no one punches like him. Nobody punches like him. He hit 
Overeem with that left shovel punch. Not quite an uppercut. Uppercut comes up through the center. Shovel punch kind of comes around the corner, right? He hits him with a shovel punch, left hook, or you know, left shovel punch, and it sent his head back. It looked like he was going to send his head into orbit. It was an alarming amount of power. Oh, my God. And wherewithal and accuracy. And he did look a little nervous to me, or maybe he was, like, trying to be maybe a little extra calm, you know, to, to see if he could calm himself. Guys will almost almost labor themselves into calmness competitively if they need to. You know, it's a big, it's a big jump up for him. You look at his resume, um, there was nobody like Overeem on it. You know, Arlovsky, Arlovsky and Overeem have both taken a lot of abuse, but Overeem has still... And he deserves credit for this. Really maintained how smart he is, and 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 how he's really reinvented himself as a fighter. You know, he has his reputation for K one as this Dutch style guy who sits behind the guard and throws leg kicks like Justin Gaethje, and then you know left hook over the top. But really, he's really kind of at the outside now. At least tries to be, um, and it, it you know it doesn't matter because at some point there's going to be these forced exchanges, and Nganu just has to find one shot, and he's got. I think we don't talk enough about this. He's got good hand speed too. You know, it's not like he's got this slow, laborious shot. Um, they can come quickly to the point where these guys just can't get out of the way. If you're going to fight Francis Ngannou, I'm not saying he's invincible because we, I think his takedown defense against somebody like Stephen Miocic really will get tested. I think we need to see what kind of ground and pound he has, um, or rather, how how he responds to ground and pound. Can he? We've seen him physically strong. You saw the Kamori he had on Anthony Hamilton. Where he just picked him up and like set him back down again, but against a guy like Stephen Miocic, if he can get the takedown and pass past the side, you know what kind of things happen to him there? Does he tire? I don't know. I'm just saying, um, I don't see how anybody on Earth can strike with him and expect to see consciousness at this at this stage of his development and see consciousness after five minutes. I don't. I don't. I. He will separate you from your consciousness so quickly and, and the thing is you can go back and look at the, his early ufc fights and say well you know he kind of sort of labored to figure it out there but he was not go back and just look at how much better his punching mechanics are like he hasn't been training that long but the by the time he was fighting luis henrique i mean look at him now he's way better way better way better more deliberate um he was having a little bit of trouble he had the underhook on one side he was having trouble dealing with overeem's bicep control but he didn't panic. He dealt with it. And when they got in that crossfire, he was just able to f to just draw over the left and crush him. And <laughs> it sent, I thought Overeem's neck was broken, man. That little, you know what that looked like? It looked like a car crash where a guy gets whiplash and the head goes boom and then comes back. It looked like he looked like he got whiplash because he got hit so hard. There's a shot floating around. I tweeted about it where you see Nganu. Because a shovel punch will start here, but they might end up, if they turn the hip over, almost coming up at an up angle, right? It can almost scoop. And uh, so you see Nganu with the left like this, like torqued out, hips kind of facing out. And then you see Overeem's head. Overeem, the back of Overeem's head almost, almost touched his back. Like it was almost like hitting it like that. Uh, it, lo it looked like something out of a comic book. You ever see like a superhero uppercut some? You know, villain in a comic book, and they go, ah, they go fly. It looked like that. You know, we're talking about like testing the limits of the corporeal body. Uh, Francis Ngannou is the hardest hitter I have ever seen in mixed martial arts. And, you know, there might be some decent seconds, but they're not close seconds, respectable seconds, not, not anything else. It, it is a, it is, he is, he is so utterly terrifying. I cannot wait, wait, wait to see that fight against Stipe Miocic because Stipe Miocic got rocked, you'll recall, by Alistair Overing for different reasons. I think Alistair's very clever. I'm just saying, is going to be tested because there's still a lot of portions of his game that have not really been thoroughly audited. Let's be real about that. They've just not been, at least not by anybody as good as Stipe Miocic. But at the same time, when you have power where you have the Midas touch, and by Midas, I mean shut the shut your brain's ability to function off if you can just like that can you imagine how having that kind of power you just need to land a single punch it's it's it is such a competitive advantage that it's hard to overstate well he's got this weakness well he's got that weakness well he's got this weakness well he's got that we who cares
right? Overeem is clearly, in terms of skill, the better fighter. Overeem walked into that contest tonight, if you look up his kickboxing and MMA resumes, with nearly 75 contests. 75. The graphic tonight noted he had 31 first-round finishes. That's three times as many fights up until tonight that uh, Nganu had. That was just first-round finishes. And he got dusted like that. And I understand that Overeem is at a point in his career now where he has reinvented himself because he can't take punishment like he did before. Fair enough. I'm not suggesting to you that this is, you know, the Reem from uh, the K1 Grand Prix days. But nevertheless, he still was able to get it done against very, very, very talented fighters. And at 31, he's a young 31 in GNU. Um, not a lot of miles on him and a ton of potential even still with seriously, I'm not exaggerating, the most terrifying punching power I think we've ever seen in this sport, irrespective of weight class, irrespective of, I mean, Anthony Johnson's scary. I don't think he can punch with Um, Not, 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 not cross for cross or something. Uh, he is, he is a magician with that. You know, I will just make your consciousness disappear. Just, you know, I've never seen a guy hypnotize people with his fists and go to sleep now. You know, it's, it's, absolutely shocking uh if you're this far into the video please give it a like by the way i have live chat t-shirts for sale they're only gonna be in sale for like one or two more days there's a link in the description box below and i'll put something up i'll put a card up for the other, those of you who are watching this later but if you want a live chat t-shirt this is your chance to get it only two more days on sale look in the description box below give the video a like and subscribe as well okay we keep going while i get a sip of my diet mountain dew Mmm. Very good. Uh, Henry Cejudo defeating Sergio Pettis. 30-27 across the board. I don't have a ton to say about this one. It just seemed like, I think you guys saw what I saw. One guy had a pretty significant grappling advantage. He was able to strike um, a distance as he needed to. I thought Pettis was better about headhunting. And when I, by, by that, I mean uh, just being more accurate um, between the two in terms of how they were dueling in that sense. But you know, that last third round takedown where he grabs a single and holds it up. And what do you want to do with a single, right? So you don't want them to be able to put it between their legs because then they can put their body weight on top of it. Then they can manipulate you. You want to get your leg to the outside, right? That's what you got to swim it out. You've seen guys do it before. If they reach with this leg or this arm, rather, I want to, I want to, so if I'm facing you, right, I want to grab, um, this would be my left hand. I want to grab your right leg, right? You want to swim your right leg to the outside of mine. You don't want to let me get in between it. And uh, you could see him swim it. It wouldn't matter. He just wrenched it up and then turned. That is strength. That's balance. That's knowing how to do that particular takedown. It was just a complete, and I think Joe Rogan's analysis on that in that scenario was, was totally right. It was just a complete gap in skills at that point. And then from there, look, we've talked about it before in the Monday Morning Analyst ad nauseum. If someone... If someone has someone else in turtle, and a lot of this was spent in guard, I gather, but if someone has someone else in turtle, particularly in that first round, uh, a turtle from a leg ride reaching through and then grabbing wrist control, it is such, and then the other hand comes around and crawl, covers the hips, such a dominant position. And you got a guy who's Olympic gold medals with that against a guy who, you know, has good takedown defense and, and good, good ability to scramble. Certainly, you, uh, everyone would say that, but it just. It just wasn't enough. So, you know, did you really see enough from Henry Cejudo to say you like his chances against Demetrius Johnson? I didn't see that, but, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Now I think, looking at this, there's going to be even more appetite for TJ versus DJ because I don't think people saw from this, like, certainly a very respectable performance from Henry Cejudo, but not the kind that was like, mm, you know what, Maybe TJ needs to wait a second because that's the fight you got to make. It, it it just didn't feel like that. Not the end of the world for Sergio Pettis, you know, 24 years old, right? He has a long way to go. But, I mean, compare 24-year-old him versus 24 back then, Max Holloway. You know, this you can see that Max Holloway's development has been um, – not, not that Pettis' has been poor by any stretch, but it's not – there. you can tell that there's – one guy is getting this a lot quicker than the other, right? Eddie Alvarez, man. Eddie Alvarez, what a guy, defeating Justin Gaethje. This one surprised me at 359 of the third round via TKO. Hit him with a knee, dropped him, hit him with a shot, hit him with a couple of shots, and then they called it there. Justin Gaethje, 
this was one of the best performances I think I've ever seen from Eddie Alvarez, and I'll tell you why. He took a lot of damage with that leg kick. He took a lot of damage with a lot of shots. His whole face was fucked up, you know. Um, he really got put through the ringer tonight, and uh, he came out the other side. Eddie Alvarez, you know, again, it's one of these things where Conor McGregor has this has this way of making guys look bad, and not just bad, but not themselves. That tonight was a better representation of who Eddie Alvarez was. And I'll be honest, I didn't think he was going to win because I thought the Poirier fight, he just looked a little too shop-worn. Um, now, maybe now he's too shop-worn, but he had enough today to really show us um, something very, very special. So how did he win? Looked to me like he won by just a tremendous amount of body work. But really the way he was able to do it was he never – again, Justin Gaethje is good at making fighters fight Justin Gaethje's fights. We're just going to brawl. And if we're going to brawl, if you brawl with that guy, he's going to win. Right? He's going to win. Um, so if we're fighting – if you're fighting Justin Gaethje on Justin Gaethje's terms, it's not going to go well for you. So he didn't do that. Uh, what he did was, I, th I forget who did it before, was it Verdum against Tybora? Same kind of thing. Touch, 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 rip. Touch, 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 rip, rip. Touch, 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 rip. Like, that's what he would do. He was constantly touching him. And what that did was it enabled him to stay active enough to, to uh, make Gaethje slow down, cover up, deal with some of that. Not all of it. Gaethje would eat some just to throw. It, you know, it doesn't stop him completely. But it slows him down a little bit. It makes him cover up a little bit. It allows you to find openings. Bang, bang. I mean, he was hitting him with vicious rib roasters through the whole fight. And then you saw Gaethje, he kind of goes to the same defensive postures a lot whenever he's in trouble. He does a lot of looking down, too. And Alvarez was crushing him with with shots to the liver, shots to the, to the other side on the ribs, and with uppercuts over and over and over again. And even that last knee up the middle, it's partly from this sort of declined and forward posture. Uh, and he got him with it. And to do that after taking all those leg kicks and to do that after getting your face, something was clearly broken or messed up in his face. To do that through all of it, through the fatigue, uh, is really, truly admirable. What a dog Eddie Alvarez is. And what a dog Justin Gaethje is, too, getting his first loss. And I know he was upset at the stoppage. I wasn't. I thought that there was a ton of damage being laid on the uh, uh, out on each other there, and if one guy really begins to belly out, it's it's probably okay to call it just in in the interest of safety. I know competitively that probably rubs Gaethje the wrong way. I think Gaethje wanted to lose by going completely unconscious, but that's not. I mean, yes, if you go unconscious, that's not intelligent defense, but you don't have to knock someone unconscious to do that. That you just have to show them that they're not really that this has either been enough or they're not intelligently defending themselves. And I, I, I'm okay with the stoppage. Um, you know, and Gaethje did what he did too. Gaethje just kept missing on his own uppercuts. I thought Alvarez did a really good job of slipping, cutting angles, and then just constantly with activity, just, just constantly in his face. And what you saw was that, yes, Alvarez was probably fighting in a way that was somewhat unnatural to him, but it made sure that the fight never turned into a Justin Gaethje brawl. It was. It was. It's if you're gonna unless you wrestle him, it's impossible to have the fight not look a little bit like a Justin Gaethje fight. But it, at least kept its. I mean, look, it wasn't even the best brawl on the card. That's that should tell you something. It wasn't even the best brawl on the card. Uh, it's because there was a discipline and a composure and a game plan, and a strategy, and a perseverant effort to see that through by Eddie Alvarez. And I think that deserves an unbelievable amount of credit, and I think he showed just what kind... I mean, look, we all knew he was a better striker than Justin Gaethje, but if you can't bring the discipline and composure and bearing necessary to make that happen, it's irrelevant. But he did. But he did. He did. He did. And interestingly about this, I don't really believe that Justin Gaethje loses a whole lot of stock here. He put it on Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez's Instagram tomorrow, should he elect to take pictures, he is going to look like Chunk or Sloth, whatever, from the Goonies. He's going to look terrible, right? There's no way you walk out of there three rounds of Justin Gaethje, basically, without looking terrible. Um, but um, 
so so I so I appreciate that he gave a piece of himself tonight uh, in Detroit. But I just thought that if you're the smarter fighter, you have got to find a way to bring that to bear. And he did through the touch, 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 touch. Let's stay active, stay active, stay active. And we'll switch speeds on him. We'll do body work to slow him down. We'll stay in his face, and we're just constantly touching him. I really, really appreciate that from Eddie Alvarez. What what a veteran performance. What a smart performance. What a gutsy performance. And what a deserved win for the Underground King. Uh, Tisha Torres defeating Michelle Watterson. Don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Michelle Watterson just feels undersized for me for the weight class. Tisha Torres uh, nearly stopping her, it seems like, a couple of times. Um, decent in the clinch. Michelle Watterson actually has some decent head throws where she'll throw. And then once they land, it's not judo where if I just, you know, I throw when we land and you land, you know, with your shoulder blades touching the mat. Oh, Epon, you know, we're done. It's mixed martial arts, man. You got to hold them. And so what she'll do is she'll, you'll notice she'll throw them and then run them. She'll run into them to either take mount or side or control the head or whatever she needs to do. So I appreciate that from her, but um, not a whole lot to say about it, to be honest. Uh, how about this? Paul Felder defeating Charles Oliveira at 406 of the second round. Charles Oliveira was putting it on him. He has such a ridiculous, he's got a squeeze with his hands on a, let me make sure I didn't lose my sound. He has a squeeze with his hands on a grip around your waist. That's one thing. He can pull his elbows behind his ribs, right? Imagine, look, look at me. I'm looking, my hands are here, right? I'm going to pull my hands in. I'm going to bring my chest out. You see how my shoulders drop? And I can bring, and I suck your hips into mine. I attach you to me. That's what he does. I'm going to, I'm not just pulling you into me. I'm going to pull so hard with my elbows behind my back. I'm going to drop shoulders, right? I've got everything engaged. I'm going to attach you to me. And if I do that, and then I trip out your base of support, and there's a variety of ways he does that, you're going to go down. You're going to go down. He does an incredible job. He has an, a, a great dexterity there of um, interweaving his legs to find different methods of control. Really, really good. But to me, I know they were calling for it because he was sitting for the darts and then tr trying to, or power guillotine at times. No, it was a darts because there's an arm in. And then trying to sit to mount, but there was always daylight. All, not always, but there was often, I should say, daylight behind the head of Paul Felder. You kept seeing, you go back and watch that fight in slow motion. There's a number of times, especially early, where you see him, um, he's on the forearm, he's trying to get to the bicep, but he's on the forearm. If you're here, very hard to get. If you're here, it's a lot easier. And even here, you're not necessarily going to get everybody if you don't have the proper angle. You could see Paul Felder framing off the hips. There was that one time Joe Rogan was right where he just fed him his leg. I don't know what that was. He just, you know, trying to think through the position and just made a bad call. I think he was trying to hold it because I think he thought if he could grab the leg, he could rotate his hips on top and come out. But that didn't work. It just allowed him to squeeze even tighter. But he got out of that. Um, and he was able to find his way to his feet, uh, managed to avoid um, terrible shots in the back. And I thought, too, it was like once he reversed position, you got to get out of there, dude. To survive that kind of thing, to stay calm. Here's the one problem with everyone's like, oh, you got to stay calm when, when someone's doing that. If they keep going back to their jujitsu like that, not only is it hard to stay calm, the problem with staying calm is that you don't want to stay so calm that you lose the urgency of the position. You lose the, lose the urgency of, of, of uh, addressing the threat. And so there can be times you see guys like, you know, they're getting choked a little bit and they go, and you can see their face drop. That's fine for a second, but then you got to get moving, bro, especially in MMA. Um, and I thought Felder struck just the right balance between those two things of staying calm, but staying urgent, right? We got it. We can't panic, but we can't, we can't loiter. And there was all, except for one moment, there was one moment where they got separate or not separated, but you could see he was letting go of the Dars and Felder was on his shoulder and didn't move, even though the choke was released. And I think there was a second there where he was like, I've been, I've been in, just get constantly attacked. I, I think he was afraid if he moved out of that position too quickly or some kind of hurried, frenzied way, things would go from bad to worse, but ultimately able to escape. Then getting back on top and then, and then like, it was almost like a, Alan Belcher with Paul Harris in a way where not only am I going to survive your attack, I'm going to stay in a grappling domain. Yes, it's MMA. I'm throwing punches, but it's a grappling domain. We're going to be in your guard. We're going to be in the ground. We're going to be in clinch scenarios. 
and I'm just going to beat you there with absolutely savage ground and pound. That left, or I think it was a right elbow that came over the top. <laughs> I mean, the stuff of nightmares from Paul Felder. Really, really strong performance from him. Charles Oliveira has issues where he just goes gung-ho on a submission and he'll just try it until it works. And a lot of times it does. But if it doesn't, he just kind of quits a little bit. Um, he just doesn't see the fight through in the same way. And But here's the thing. If he doesn't get the submission, he doesn't just say, ah, oh, well, I'm done here. You still have to kind of take it out of him. And to survive that is one way to beat him. And then to stick it to him in the grappling department, you know, by, by avoiding triangles and riding his posture and then hammering through and then getting around to one leg and then dropping the elbow. Oh, my God. Paul Felder was such a grown man performance. That's what I would call it. Again, he also showing bearing, showing composure, showing urgency with calmness. Trust me when I tell you that is a very – guys make it look easy. It's not easy. It's a difficult balance to achieve, and I thought Paul Felder got it right. Yancy uh, Medeiros <laughs> – Versus Alex Oliveira, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? Winning at third, uh, two hundred two of the third round. What do, I mean, you know, one of the tr one of the true great brawls of twenty seventeen. One of the true great brawls of uh, you know welterweight. One of the true great brawls, frankly, in UFC history. Maybe, maybe that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but it doesn't feel like it tonight. It feels totally. Um, justified let me just say something if if they ever see this yancy medeiros and uh alex cowboy Oliveira, i completely take my hat off to the both of you you want to talk about sacrifice on the altar of athletic glory ha there's there's one percent of one percent of one percent of one percent of fighters much less you and me who could do what they did today and yes i'm not saying it's the most skillful fight I've ever seen. However, I will defend the skills in just a second. Um, in, in certain cases, there was actually a lot of skill shown, but the predominant thing, what you saw there was absolute grit and determination and a pursuit of the fight in, in the definition of gameness, despite the physical consequences. Those two guys left a piece of themselves in Detroit. They will not be the same after this. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go on some sort of steep, immediate decline that's not what i'm saying but every time a fighter goes in that octagon and they have a fight even close to that they give the, they give a piece of themselves to that city to that night to that opponent to that sport they come out a little bit less than what they were that's why these guys deserve to be paid that's why these guys deserve to be respected and honored and when they do something like this with tribute and acknowledgement of all of that they sacrificed a lot today on the altar of athletic glory, and we must not make any mistake about that. Shocking displays of determination. Both guys getting dropped in the first. Both guys finding a way to hang on, and I mentioned I would defend the skills. That one throw that was attempted by Oliveira, I think in the third round, maybe in the second one, and Yancey Medeiros on a post leg, turned his hips over and managed to hold on to reverse position on top. Let me tell you something. He's weird because the guy's on wobbly legs the whole time. You cannot overstate how incredible his balance and core strength was in that moment. And that sounds like a small compliment. It's not. Look at my Twitter timeline. I was shocked at how good his balance was. I was amazed at how good his balance was. That was like Fedor level reverse in transition balance. So dominant, so good. So incredible. And there was another time, I had never seen this before, but I caught it immediately. Oliveira had the back of Medeiros. Medeiros drops his hips and wants to turn into him. And when someone, if some, if I have your back and you drop and you want to turn, what do I want to do? I want to take mount to prevent you from turning, right? But when he when you saw Oliveira come over, you saw Medeiros grab this is my left hand. You saw Medeiros grab the left hand like this, the left arm, right on the forearm, right here, to prevent the turn. He used that to push. So he couldn't get his hips over because your arm is attached to your hips. He couldn't get his hips over because everything was getting pushed back. And he used that to then corkscrew his own hips on top. Yancey Medeiros has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. He has great balance. He has great uh, uh, positional awareness. And he just has a heart that you, you can't buy. You can't train. You can't emulate. You can't mimic. 
you can't uh it, the real deal holy field those two guys are Medeiros first and then then Al, uh, Alex Oliveira second I mean pretty pretty similar levels of grit determination there but that's the kind of thing where you're like, this is why the sport is regulated. This is why these guys oftentimes have short careers, but this is why we watch. This is the craziness of MMA that we crave. Um, and this is the beauty of violence. This is why, I mean, you know, I know we've had debates about this in the MMA beat. Yo, <laughs> I'm not watching this because the drama takes twists and turns, although that's true. I'm watching this because the drama takes twists and turns while two guys give up their bodies um, to make that drama twist and turn. Uh, that is precisely why I'm all in on this. Um, what, what, how fortunate we are to be able to watch people like that do the kinds of things they can do. How lucky we should say that we are as a consequence. And um, honored to have been able to watch that tonight. Honored to have been able to say I saw that live and grateful for the experience. What absolute warriors those two guys are can't say enough good things about them david tamer defeating jacar close what a weird fight this was um felice herrig defeating courtney casey that was a split decision i think that was the only split on the card yep the only one um i scored it for her i thought that she you know she was landing that left hook over and over and over again at first when she was trying to go first and then getting countered and then trying to counter that, she was having problems. But when she could feint and then fake and then get and draw a reaction out of Casey and then counter that, she had a ton of success. So close contest, I get it. There appeared to be one moment, I think in the third, where Casey like like picked blood and like chucked it at her. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but a great win for Felice Herrick. I actually called, you can look it up on the internet. I did a terrible job, but I actually called Felice Herrick's um, pro debut against Iman Achel. This was for a show called UWC Ultimate Warrior Challenge. It took place in DC. And you, you just can't imagine how uh, unrefined her game was back then and how much better it is now. She's, you know, Felice Herrick doesn't get this rep because I know she had a, this early encounter with the fan base as this. Um, what do you want to call, you know, somebody who was very forward with the sexualization of their image, but she doesn't do a lot of that now. Uh, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but she certainly doesn't do a lot of it now. And I think she, we really have to take a second look at what she's been able to do um, with the development of her game. She was a little bit slower than Casey. Casey had seemed to have more natural hand speed, but I felt like Felice had a better game plan and had a better awareness of her opponent's weaknesses. When Casey throws in combo, she starts here, Throws in combo, the hands are like way down here. And I think Felice Herrick knew that and took advantage of it. So um, you, you, the results speak for themselves. Amanda Cooper defeating Angela Magana at 434 of the second round. What a miserable performance by Angela Magana. You know, it must have been hard to train in Puerto Rico. Um, but, you know, either you can perform at this level or you can't. And she clearly cannot. Uh, in fact, that one went on a lot longer than it needed to to be honest. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan defeating uh, Sabah Homasi at 421 of the first round. Not one of referee Herb Dean's better performances. So these two guys were swinging and just not managing energy well. But basically, here's how it works. Um, it looked like in real time, a right hand dropped Homasi. But it didn't look like he had stopped scrambling. I mean, he, he kind of went limp a little bit. But he was he was on a single. And referee stopped it. So you look at the replay and you say, okay. For starters, it's not clear exactly what the right hand did, but a right hand did land. And Homasi goes down. Either it hit him on the way down or it hit him and he dropped, but it appeared to be the former, not the latter. And then you say, okay, that's that can give you the heebie-jeebies depending on your uh, angle, but there's not really a strong case to say he wasn't doing anything after that uh, or that there was so much damage that you can just justify calling this off in the preservation of this guy's health. And so, look, referee Herb Dean is an excellent referee, um, has had made so many great calls at just the right time. He has saved so many fighters from peril, but not one of his better calls. You know, he just made a bad call. I don't think we should rake him over the coals. I don't think we should call him names. I don't think we should, you know, send him horrible message on social media. But if we're going to grade stoppages, 
not a great stoppage. And he did not have a great performance in the uh, Tamer close fight either. It was just an off day for Herb Dean, I think, in a lot of ways, which is inevitable. He's human. Not every performance is going to be great, but I would still humbly submit to you that his typical level of execution is very, very high. Dominic Reyes defeating Jeremy Kimball. I didn't even watch this fight. And then Justin Willis, big pretty, defeating Alan Crowder at 233 of the first round. He just kept putting hands on his face from the same side. He just wouldn't block. Land a one punch from here. Okay, good. You want to grab a leg? One, two, three, four. And just keep going. Crowder not doing a whole lot to fire back, not doing a whole lot to get his head out of the way, not doing a whole lot to stop an onslaught from a single side. Just kind of sat there and took it, it felt like. And as a consequence, that's what you have. So um, to me, your bigger standout performers, Max Holloway, obviously, Francis Ngannou, uh, Eddie Alvarez. I, I, I don't know that I saw this contest, and I thought to myself, man, that guy's going to, you know, he could really give it Tony Ferguson a run for his money. I, I just feel like Tony Tony takes damage, but not as much as Justin um, and wears it better and then still delivers more offense more precisely. So that should be considered. But Paul Felder, um, yeah, those are the ones that stand out to me as like the ones who were really capable of doing something pretty special. Um, if you have a tweet, please let me know at L Thomas News. I'll read them now. And uh, let's do some Q&A on this. So it says, talking about Connor, he can claim knocking him out cold. Holloway can't say that. Right, but Holloway definitively beat him twice. You know, it's one thing to beat a guy once. You got to do it twice. And I would bet on Connor to beat him a second time if they fought. Don't misunderstand me, but at the same time, you know, you fight a guy once, yeah, it was a tremendous victory. But it's, I think, a little bit more special to do it twice. You leave, especially if you can stop him twice. Like, it'll just leave no doubt. Um, how do you fancy Darren Till versus Medeiros after tonight? I would fancy Darren Till. Look, Medeiros takes a lot of punishment. He took a lot of punishment in the Massa Renduba fight. He took a lot of punishment in this fight. He perseveres, and he hangs on, and he finds ways to win, and he does have some technical skills in the mat. I think that should be noted. Um, and he can crack on the feet too, but he takes a lot of punishment. And I just feel like a guy like Darren Till, who's big, strong, powerful, accurate, doesn't necessarily take a lot of damage himself, would, you know, it would cause some problems for Yancey Medeiros. Um, oh, man, that's Ridiculous photos here. Max versus Zabit. Who wins? A right now, Max. B in one year? I don't know. That's going to be the next big one for me. Um, Zabit Magomed Sharapov is not ready for Max Holloway right now. But I don't know how far away that inevitable clash is. And I cannot wait to see it. There's a ton of young blood at Featherweight that just needs a chance to shine through and push through and make themselves known. And I thought I thought that was Yay Rodriguez. I'm not ready to close the door on him because it still might be. But you get guys like Magomed Sharapov, and it's like, uh, I don't know who's gonna beat that guy. At least, you know, maybe maybe Max Holloway can beat him, but not a lot of other guys who are gonna be able to do that for sure. True or false, Stipe peed a little when he saw the Francis finish tonight. I bet he didn't. I bet he saw that Joker and was like, let's do it. I bet I bet you I can beat that guy. And he probably thinks he can, especially with his wrestling. And maybe he will. You know, again, there's still parts of Nganu's game that are untested. Like, what can we really say about how he deals with elite wrestling pressure for three rounds? Nothing. You haven't really seen it. You've seen some kind of clinch pressure. You've seen some kind of wrestling pressure. You've not seen that. So it's a, it's a totally fair question. The problem is... How relevant is this question when a guy can just go boop and your whole consciousness is separated from you? You know, it's I got a hair on my face. There it is. It's it's shocking. It's totally shocking. And Gnu is made by Mattel. Yeah, he might be. Is it time for Aldo to go to 155? I think so. I think so. Someone says, um, Holloway took arguably the best shots from Aldo. Connor hit one counter, and it was over. I think blessed MMA, both wins were more of a statement. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Connor's statement was what a ridiculously like accurate hard hitter he can be in MMA. You know, what a lethal finisher. Um, 
and what and what how you know when 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 you're in our first round with McGregor, danger is ever present. Not like Nganu, but you know very clearly he can do significant damage to you early in a fight. So Max doesn't have that. In fact, Max has the opposite of that. Early in the fight, you're like, eh, it's not so bad. It's just that as it goes on, it's just the noose gets tighter and tighter, right? Totally different in that sense. Does Holloway have the best jab in MMA right now? He's got, I don't know if he's got the best jab because it doesn't sting you, but he's got one of the more functional jabs. He's got the kind of jabs you can put a lot of offense behind. He's got the kind of jab that is good for camouflage. He's got the kind of jab that is good for range management at all times. And he's got the kind of jab he can throw a lot without getting tired, right? He doesn't have to pop you all the time. Again, he almost he's doing that kind of touch, touch, touch thing that you saw from Alvarez tonight. Let's see. What else do we have here? I think we all dream of a Holloway versus McGregor rematch at 155. I please, if there is a God, we will see that rematch. And maybe McGregor smokes him. You know, he won clean the first time, even with the jacked up ACL. Would love to see it. Would love to see because both guys are different. Both guys have growth. They offer different challenges. One guy's really good early. One guy's even better late. Um, how would they match up? It would be amazing to watch. It was his best pay-per-view in a long time. I would still put 217 above it, but you can say potential two fight of the years on one card. You could say that if you wanted to. That'd be a little generous in my view, but you could do it. You could claim it. Two, two, at least two five of the year nominees, right? Um, Holloway was also the only guy to not get stopped by Connor at featherweight. His last loss was Connor. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we'll, we'll be, let's stop talking about Connor. Um, so it says absolute goobers asking questions at the presser tonight. Yeah, well, I'm not in Detroit, so I don't really care. You factor in Overeem's supposed glass jaw into your praise of the punching power of Francis. Absolutely. I mean, is Francis or is Overeem the first guy you've ever seen? Um, as uh, you've seen Overeem hit a lot, how many times have you seen Overeem hit like that? Um, how many times have you seen Francis and Ganu hit people, and it looks bad? You know, it's. I think we have enough body of evidence at this point to draw some pretty definitive conclusions. Where can we put Paul Felder in 155 division after second consecutive elbow KO? I forgot about that. That's right. Um, man. He wouldn't fight Cowboy or Pettis, right? So I guess that's out because he's friendly with both of them. Let's see. Where can we put old Paul Felder? How about... I still like to see the Ally Quinta fight, you know? So like to see that Benil Darius, James Vick. How about James Vick at 13? Would love to see that. Would love to see any of those. Lots of different great opportunities there for a lot of different fighters. Um, let's see. So this is his previous KO was against Arlovsky, another suspect chain. Yep. Here it goes. Every time someone else does something impressive, there's always some truther to, out there who suggests that we're all just deeply confused and don't quite understand what we're looking at. No, I think we can definitively conclude that Nganu is entirely special as a power puncher in mixed martial arts, perhaps historically so. And I'm very confident in saying as much. Did Eddie write the game plan on Gaethje with range and body shots? Yes, but even then, you still have to have the kind of mental tenacity um, and durability to pull that kind of thing off. You can write a blueprint, but the blueprint might cause, might, might, the, the mid might call for, an extraordinary amount of damage. And some guys just can't make that walk. Some guys just can't make the walk. Eddie Alvarez can make the walk, even after all the things that he's been through. Really, really, really impressive in that sense. And he, and, and, and look, Eddie Alvarez um, you know, has wins over the former Strikeforce champ, wins over the former UFC champ, was a UFC champ on his own, and it didn't go that well against Conor McGregor. Now he's got a win over the former WSOF champ. Pretty impressive. All-time great lightweight. All-time great lightweight. Um, I just don't see how anyone could possibly disagree with that. What else we got? Max versus Connor, 155. Quick pick, gut pick. Well, these are always bad because you always pick the guy you just saw fight. So I guess I would say Max. But to be honest, if you're asking me, I really don't know. I really don't know. Part of me feels like Connor would win a bunch of rounds early and hang on late, you know? But we'll see. Uh, it's just impossible to know. Um, did Cejudo's win tonight 
do you book, well, excuse me, with Cejudo's win tonight, do you book DJ versus Cejudo or DJ versus TJ? If TJ can make 125, no problem, you do that one. That's where the interest is. What did you hear about CM Punk falling off a chair in the back? You got to ask, um, you got to ask EKC. He has all the uh, skinny on that for sure. Um, let's see. Anyone else? All right. Let's do this. Oop, no, I think we got a couple more here. Hold on. Someone says, what hype train do you see being derailed next? I guess the hype, well, this is from the live chat a few days ago. I guess the Gaethje hype train got a little derailed. I mean, he still didn't lose stock, but I guess as a title contender, he may have lost, but pretty impressive. Pretty impressive job by, well, Justin Gaethje too, I suppose. Francis Ngannou on brutal knockout of Alistair over in quote, I will do that to everyone. <laughs> Guys, he doesn't hit hard. He just fought a bunch of guys who had been hit a bunch. You can't trust it. Okay. Dude's out there curling toes of K1 champions. And people are telling me he doesn't hit all that hard. Okay, buddy. You want to die on that hill, you are more than welcome. Let's see. All right. If you got any tweets for me, L Thomas News, I'll answer them. You can email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Again, for more information on the Beta Academy, that is in the description box below. For more information about my live chat t-shirts, which are only on sale for a little while longer, that will be in here. Plus, I'll put up a card when this video is all over. Um, like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We'll be back with tons more content next week, Monday Morning Analyst on MMA Fighting on Monday, and a whole lot more. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm going to get out of here. Until next time, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it, but it's time to get some sleep.